regarding the minute details of how to offer salah, where to keep the hand, how to stand, how to sit, etc. How many rakats to offer? The Holy Quran says, Atiullah watiur Rasul. Obey Allah and obey the messenger. You have to look at the Prophet. The Quran says, Atiullah watiur Rasul. In several places. In Surah Al-Imran chapter number 3 verse number 32. In Surah Al-Imran chapter number 3 verse number 132. In Surah Nisa chapter 4 verse 59. In Surah Maida chapter 5 verse 92. In Surah Anfal chapter number 8 verse number 1. In Surah Anfal chapter number 8 verse number 20. In Surah Anfal chapter number 8 verse number 46. In Surah Nur chapter number 24 verse 54. In Surah Nur chapter 24 verse 56. In Surah Muhammad chapter 47 verse number 33. In Surah Mujadila chapter 58 verse number 13. In several places. In Surah Taghaboon chapter number 64 verse number 12. The Holy Quran says, Atiullah watiur Rasul. Obey Allah and obey the messenger. For the minute details, look at the Prophet. And it's mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, volume number one, in the book of Adan, chapter number 18, hadith number 604, as well as in Sahih Bukhari, volume number nine, hadith number 352, the Prophet said, Pray as you have seen me praying. Pray as you have seen me praying. So minute details, you have to refer to the authentic hadith. The Salah is the most important pillar of Islam after Iman, after faith. And the Holy Quran says in Surah Dhariyat, chapter 51, verse 56, That I have created the jinn and the men not but to worship me. And the Arabic word ibadah comes from the root word abd which means a slave, a servant. It's the duty of every servant to be obedient to his master. And every human being is a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of Almighty God. And it's the duty of every human being to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The moment you follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are doing ibadah, you are doing worship. If you abstain from the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited you from doing, you are doing ibadah. Many people have the misconception that salah is the only form of ibadah. In fact, salah is the most important form of ibadah, but it's not the only form of ibadah. Following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ibadah. And salah is the most important form of ibadah. Salah can also mean rendering obedience. You can only be obedient if you know what you are reciting in your salah. If you know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you to do. Therefore it's compulsory that every Muslim should know what he is reciting in a salah. He should also read the Holy Quran. If he doesn't understand Arabic, he should also read its translation, its meaning, so that he can implement on the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are various dangers if a person doesn't offer salah. There are chances your faith can become weak or it can even get lost. Because a human being thinks 
that the well-being and honor that he has is due to the worldly material things and he goes away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is lack of discipline when he goes away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to acquire the worldly desires the material things there are chances that he may do foul play and go away from the Sirat al-Mustaqeem from the straight path there is lack of inner peace irrespective of how much wealth a person has the wealth cannot gain him peace and the reason that the people don't offer salah is due to lack of knowledge the Holy Quran says in Surah Al-Imran chapter 3 verse number 185 every soul shall have a taste of death and you shall have your total recompense on the day of judgment and only he who is saved from the hellfire and is admitted to the gardens shall have achieved the objectives of the life for verily the life in this world is a mere deception of goods and chattels there are various benefits of offering salah salah is a way of life it caters to the spiritual aspect of your soul and the physical needs of your body the salah it increases your faith it strengthens your faith the Holy Quran says in Surah Anfal chapter number 8 verse number 2 that the true believers are those who when Allah is mentioned feel a tremor in the heart and when his signs are rehearsed it strengthens their faith and they put their complete trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Holy Quran says in Surah Fatiha chapter 1 verses 5 to 7 abdu wa dear alone we worship dear alone we ask for help ihdina surat al-mustaqeem surat al-lazina namta alayhim ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim waladballeen show us the straight path the path of those who have earned high favor and of those whose path is not wrath nor who go astray it increases the discipline of your life a true muslim he starts his day by offering the fajr salah and in the fajr salah the muazzin in the adhan he also adds as salatu khairu minan norm that salah is better than sleep offering prayer is better than sleeping and a true Muslim at intervals he offers salah and he ends his day with the isha salah before he goes to sleep the salah it also improves the social conditions the congregational salah it increases the brotherhood the fraternity the unity and is an example of equality the solidarity increases when the people of the community they meet each other and the love and affection between them increases the Holy Quran says in Surah Hujurat chapter 49 verse number 13 Ya ayyuhan nasu inna khalaqnaakum min zakri wa unsa wa ja'alnaakum shu'uba wa qaba'ila lita'arafu inna akramakum inda Allahi atkaakum inna Allahi alimun khabir 
O humankind, we have created you from a single pair of male and female and have divided you into nations and tribes so that you shall recognize each other, not that you shall despise each other. And the most honored in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the person who has taqwa, who has righteousness. And Allah is all-knowing, full of wisdom. The criteria for judgment in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not caste, it's not color, it's not creed, it's not wealth, it's not sex, but it is taqwa, it's righteousness, it's God-consciousness, it's piety. The Holy Quran says in Surah Humza, chapter 104, verse number one, لُمَزَ Woe to every kind of scandal monger and backbiter. The Salah prevents us from scandal monging and backbiting. The Holy Quran says in Surah Hujurat, chapter 49, verse number 11 and 12, Ya ayyuhal lazina amanu, O you who believe, let not men amongst you laugh at others. You may never know that the latter may be better than the former. Let not women laugh at others. You may never know that the latter may be better than the former. Do not defame. Do not be sarcastic. Don't call each other with nicknames. Ya lazina amanu, O you believe, avoid suspicion. For suspicion in many cases is a sin. Do not spy on one another. Neither speak ill about people behind the back. That means don't backbite. Are you ready to eat the flesh of your dead brother? The Holy Quran says that if you backbite, it is as though you are eating the flesh of your dead brother. Because eating the flesh of your dead brother is double crime. Eating flesh of a human being is a sin. Even the cannibals who eat human beings, they don't eat the meat of their own brother. So the Holy Quran says if you backbite, you are doing double sin. It is as though you are eating the flesh of your dead brother. Speaking ill about someone without proof is a sin. Speaking ill about someone behind the back is double sin. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and gives the answer. Nay, you will abhor it. The salah, it increases truthfulness and honesty in the business and the daily dealings. As I said earlier, the Quran says in Surah An-Kabut, chapter 29, verse number 45, That recite of what we have revealed to thee of the inspiration of the book and establish regular prayers. For verily, prayers restrain you from shameful and unjust deeds. The Holy Quran says in Surah Isra, chapter 17, verse number 81, Say, truly, truth has arrived, and falsehood perished. For verily, falsehood is by its nature bound to perish. Salah teaches us that we should be truthful. A similar message repeated in Surah Baqarah, chapter 2, verse number 42 and 43. That cover not the truth with falsehood, nor conceal the truth when you know it. 
the Quran teaches us to be truthful, to always be truthful. The Holy Quran says in Surah Baqarah, chapter 2, verse number 188, that eat up not your wealth on vanity, so that you may use it as a bait for the judges to eat up little bits of somebody else's property, knowingly or unknowingly. The Holy Quran says that bribing is forbidden. You should not bribe. It gives us a way how to lead a truthful life. The Holy Quran, it brings a person inner peace. As it says in Surah Rod, chapter 13, verse number 28, that verily, in the remembrance of Allah, hearts do find peace and tranquility. Because when you remember Allah, when you offer salah, you have a peaceful life. You acquire tranquility. It is the best way of communicating with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Quran says in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2, verse number 153, Ya amanustainu bisabri wa salah. O you who believe, seek Allah's help with patient perseverance and prayers. Inna Allah ma sabreen. For verily, Allah is with those who patiently persevere. Allah says, Inna Allah ma sabreen. For verily, Allah is with those who patiently persevere. Besides the social benefits, the spiritual benefits, and the other benefits, in Salah, we also acquire physical and medical benefits. In Salah, when we do ruku, that is bow down, extra blood flows into the upper part of the body. The spine becomes supple. The spinal nerves are nourished. It relieves backache and pain. It's a good posture for flatulence. When we come back to the Ar-Raku position, that is after Ruku, when we stand up, the blood which has entered in the upper part of the body comes back to normalcy and the body is relaxed. When we do sujood, we put our forehead on the ground. It's the best position of Salah. It's the most important part of Salah. Daily, the human beings are propounded by electrostatic charges from the atmosphere, which gets precipitated in the central nervous system, which gets supersaturated. These extra electrostatic charges have to be dissipated and discharged. Otherwise, you will have headache, neckache, muscle spasms, etc. No wonder people regularly take tranquilizers and drugs to relieve the pain. These extra electrostatic charges have to be dissipated and discharged. For example, how do you have a heavy electric appliance? It normally has a three-pin plug. The third pin and the third wire is for grounding, for earthing. Similarly, when we do sujood, we put the forehead on the ground. And the best part of 
the body, the brain, and the best part of the brain, the frontal lobe, is put on the ground, which causes grounding or discharging of these extra electrostatic charges. That does not mean that if you put your hand below the musalla, the pyramid, you get a shock. But there is dominance of the frontal lobe and the thinking capacity of the brain is not on the top of the brain, it is in the frontal lobe. Therefore, we do sujood in salah. When we do sajda, there is extra blood supply going to the brain which is responsible for a healthy brain. When you do sujood, extra blood flows into the skin of the face and the neck, which increases the blood circulation of the skin of the face, which is very healthy, especially in cold season. It prevents diseases such as fibrocytis and chilbane. When you do sujood, there is drainage of the paranasal sinuses, and there is less chances you'll have sinusitis, that is inflammation of the sinuses. Normally, the human beings throughout the day, they have an erect posture. And the maxillary sinus, the ostium, the opening is in the upper medial part. And the secretions, because of the erect posture, cannot be drained. Therefore, in sujood, it's like inverting a pot which is full. It causes drainage of the maxillary sinus. It also causes drainage of the secretion of the frontal sinus, the ethmoidal sinus and the spinoidal sinus and there's less chances the person will have sinusitis or if he's suffering from sinusitis, it's a natural treatment. Sujood is also a natural treatment for a person suffering from bronchiectasis which causes drainage of the secretion of the bronchial tree. It prevents the accumulation of the secretion in the bronchial tree. It's also helpful in other pulmonary diseases in which secretion are accumulated. Besides secretion, other things like dust and bacteria can also accumulate. It's helpful in all these diseases. Normally when you breathe, only two-thirds of your lung capacity is utilized. The remaining one-third of the lung, the air remains in. Only two-thirds air comes in as fresh air and goes out. The one-third air is called as residual air. When you do sujood, the abdominal viscera, they press against the diaphragm. And the diaphragm, it presses against the lower lobes of the lung, which causes exhaling of even this residual air. So once the residual air goes out, more fresh air comes in, which is responsible for a healthy lung. When you do sujood, due to decreased gravitational force, there is extra venous return from the abdominal organs. The venous return of the abdominal organ, it increases. The sujood and ruku, it's a good posture against femoral and esophageal hernia. It's also a prophylaxis treatment in a person suffering from hemorrhoid, which in layman's terminology is called as piles. It's also helpful in the prolapse of the uterus. When you do sujood, your weight is concentrated on the knees when your legs are flexed. And the soleus and the gastrocnemius muscles, the muscles of the leg, are also called the peripheral heart because 
it has an extensive venous return, which is responsible for increasing the venous return of the lower half of the body. And it also causes relaxation of the lower half of the body. Where do sujood? Your knees are touching on the floor, including your hands and your forehead. This posture is helpful in disease of the cervical spine because it is helpful in the intervertebral joints. The posture of the sujood is also helpful in cardiac diseases. When a person rises from sujood in the jasa position, in the squatting position, the blood which has flowed in the upper part of the body comes back to normalcy and his body is relaxed. There's extra blood flowing in the muscles and nerves of the thigh and the back. The back muscles are relaxed. It's useful and helpful in constipation and indigestion. It's helpful in a person suffering from peptic ulcer and other stomach ailments. When a person gets up from the squatting position to the kayam position, to the standing position, his weight is concentrated on the ball of the feet, which improves the strength of the back muscles, thigh muscle, knee muscle and leg muscles. There are various benefits, physical and medical, when we offer salah. But we Muslims, we don't offer salah for these medical benefits. These are only side dishes. We offer salah to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to thank Him. We offer salah for guidance, to be programmed towards righteousness. These side dishes, the medical benefits, may attract a person who has less faith or may attract a non-believer. But we Muslims, our main course is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's a commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is our biryani. There are some people who may ask that we see a few Muslims who offer salah five times a day, but yet they cheat, they are not honest, they are unrighteous people. So how come when you say salah is a programming towards righteousness, few Muslims we know who offer five times salah, very regular, but yet they are not righteous. The answer to this question was given by the Qari in the beginning of a talk and he recited verses from Surah Al-Mu'minun, chapter 23, verse number 1 and 2 which says, Qad aflaha al-mu'minun al-lazinahum fi salatihim khoshi'oon Indeed, successful are the believers, those who pray with humility and attentiveness. Arabic word, khoshi'oon, is derived from khushu, which means humility and attentiveness. So Allah says, all those who offer salah with attentiveness and humility, they will indeed be successful. They will derive the benefits. But all those who only pray outwardly, without humility and attentiveness, they will not derive the benefits of salah. So these few Muslims who offer salah and do not derive the benefits and are not righteous, it is because they only offer the salah 
outwardly without humility and attentiveness and for a person to be attentive but natural he should know the meaning of what is offering the salah and he should follow the commandment what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives for example in the salah if the imam after surah fatiha recites surah ikhlas and says Qul huallahu ahad say he is Allah one and only all the Muslims who come to the mosque to offer salah they agree that Allah is one and only no one says there is more than one Allah who is the imam giving guidance to what the imam is doing he is conveying the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Muslims and saying Qul huallahu ahad say he is Allah one and only go and tell to those people who do not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who do not believe Allah is one go and tell them that say there is Allah one and only so the Imam is telling the Muslims go out and tell to the other people who do not believe Allah is one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one and only and describe to them the concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala many Muslims offer salah but when they immediately finish their salah the message what they received in the salah has no impact on the life at all and the main reason is because they have not understood the message so if you don't understand the message how will you implement it you have to follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to derive the benefits of the salah for example if you have a servant who is very punctual who is very regular in coming to work and he comes to the office and he praises you but when you give him any work or ask him to even get a glass of water he continues praising you but does not get the glass of water you ring the bell and your servant comes running to you yes master when you tell him that this is an important urgent letter please deliver it to my client it's very urgent your servant stays in the office and continues saying I am obedient to my master my master is great what will you do will you give him a promotion will you give him a bonus will you kick him out of the job similarly it is the duty that the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the human beings we should follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only by offering praises it's not sufficient for example a sick man he goes to a doctor and the doctor gives him a prescription and he writes in it that you have to take the following tablets thrice a day the patient takes the prescription and religiously very dedicatedly he reads the prescription thrice a day but does not implement on the message of the prescription he does not take the tablet do you think he'll be cured of his sickness so in order to derive the benefit of the salah you should even follow the commandments which we get in the salah that's the reason there are few people who offer salah but do not get the benefit of the salah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes a few of these people in surah ma'un chapter number 107 verse number 4 to 7 which says فَوَيْلُوا لِلْمُسَلِّينَ أَلَّذِينَهُمْ أَنْ صَلَوَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ أَلَّذِينَهُمْ يُرَاؤُونَ وَيَمْنَوْنَ الْمَاؤ
that go to the worshippers, those who are neglectful of the prayers, who only pray to be seen of men, but do not even provide neighborly need. With such people, the Holy Quran says, only pray to be seen of men. Woe to them, curse them. The Holy Quran says in Surah Nisa, chapter 4, verse number 142, that the hypocrites, when they stand in prayers, they do not stand with earnestness. They only pray to be seen of men. And little do they have Allah in remembrance. Allah says, there are people who are hypocrites, who only pray to be seen of men, but do not pray with earnestness. Neither remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the salah. Every Muslim, it is compulsory that he should offer salah five times a day. There is no option. Even when he's traveling, he should offer salah. But there are certain concessions given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says in Surah Nisa, chapter 4, verse number 101, that when you travel in the earth, there is no blame on you if you shorten your salah. When you are traveling, you can shorten the four rakats of Zohar, Asr, and, and the last Isha Salah to two rakats. You can even combine the Zohar and the Asr Salah as well as combine the Maghrib and the Isha Salah. It's a confession given to you. There's no excuse for you not to pray. Even in the battlefield, you have to offer Salah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the guidance how Salah should be offered in the battlefield. The Holy Quran says in Surah Nisa chapter 4 verse 102 that, O Prophet, when thou standest for Salah in the battlefield, take one party of the men to stand with you for Salah along with the arms. And when they finish the Salah, let them go behind and ask the other party to offer Salah. But you can have the arms in your hand when you're offering Salah. The Holy Quran says in Surah Baqarah chapter 2, verse number 239, that if you fear any danger or any enemy, you can even pray on the foot or while riding. But when you are in security, celebrate the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He has taught you. The Holy Quran says that offering salah is compulsory irrespective of you are at war, in danger, and the Quran says in Surah Nisa chapter 4 verse 103 that offer the salah standing or sitting or lying. But when you are free from danger, offer it in the regular manner. In the battlefield, if you fear there is danger or any other danger, you can offer salah even while standing or sitting or lying on your side. Even if you are sick, the Holy Quran says in Surah Al-Imran chapter 3 verse number 191 that the believers offer the salah standing, sitting or lying on the side. As mentioned in Sahih Bukhari. And the translation of Sahih Bukhari has got nine volumes. This is the first volume. As mentioned in Sahih Bukhari. Volume number two in the book of Taqfir, chapter number 19, hadith number 218 that a person approached the Prophet and said he was suffering from hemorrhoid piles. How should he perform the Salah? The Prophet said, pray while standing. If you can't do it, pray while sitting. If you can't do it, pray while lying on your side. Even if you are sick, you have no excuse for missing your Salah. If you can't stand, pray while sitting. If you can't sit, pray while lying 
on your side. You can even pray with ishara, with just indication. But offering salah is compulsory. There is no excuse for you to miss your salah. The Holy Quran says in Surah Maida chapter 5, verse number 55, that your true friends are no less than Allah, His Messenger, and the believers who offer their salah, who practice regular charity, and who humble themselves. It's mentioned Abu Dawood. This is Abu Dawood. Abu Dawood has got three volumes. It's mentioned Abu Dawood, volume number one, in the book of Salah, chapter number 300, hadith number 863. And the Prophet said that the first thing a person will be asked to account amongst all his actions on the day of judgment is Salah. Means the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inquire you is regarding Salah. And the Holy Prophet said, it's mentioned Sai Muslim. This is Sai Muslim. Few people may have the translation. It's Awal bin Arif. This is Sai Muslim. It's mentioned in Sai Muslim. Volume number one. Sai Muslim consists of four volumes. This was the first volume. Mentioned volume number one. In the book of faith, chapter number 36, Hadith number 146. That the difference between a man and the difference between a mushrik, a polytheist, and kafir, an unbeliever, is the negligence of Salah. It's mentioned Abu Dawood, volume number three, in the Kitab Basunna, chapter number. 1691, hadith number 4661, it says that the difference between a servant and a kafir, an unbeliever, is the abandonment of prayer. Means anyone who is negligent of a salah, or abandoned salah, according to this hadith, he is equivalent to a kafir. The Holy Quran says in Surah Mudassir, chapter 74, verse number 41 to 43, ask the sinners, that what led them into the hellfire. And they will say, we were not of those who offered salah. We were not of those who prayed. There's a beautiful dua given in the Holy Quran in Quran Ibrahim, chapter 14, verse number 40, which says that, Oh my Lord, make me one who establishes regular prayers. And Raise such people amongst my offspring. Oh my Lord, grant me this favor. The dua given in the Holy Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2, verse number 201, which is a very famous dua, is Rabbana atina fid dunya hasnatam wa fil akhirati hasnatam wa kin bin-nar That, oh my Lord, give me the good in this world and in the hereafter and save me from the torment of hellfire. I would like to end my talk by giving the quotation of the Holy Quran in Surah Al-Anam, chapter 6, verse 162 and 163, which says, Kul, inna salati wa nusuki wa mahjaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alameen 
that say truly my prayers, my service of sacrifice, my life and death is all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the cherisher of this world. He has no partner, this I have been commanded. And I am of the first to bow to his will. Wa akhru dawan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.